Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout, which is now part of the High Productions family. As per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. And this week I am joined by actor, author, podcaster, all-around superstar. Please welcome to the podcast, Willem. Drama School Dropout, no graduation day for you, Drama School Dropout. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Drama school dropout. I'm a drama school never was accepted. The only after school I applied to for um, after high school was a space called AMDA. And they're kind of known for accepting pretty much everybody. <laughs> and they said no to me. Because they're they're not even a like a degree a degree program you get a certificate and they said no i love a certificate yeah well i didn't get one (laughs) well i i was the same i applied for tons of drama schools and one that was known for pretty much accepting everyone i went to the audition which was a tour of the uni and i went with a friend and on the train home he got a conditional offer which means like if you get such and such grade you can you're in i got declined (laughs) maybe i was just a bit of an arsehole who knows? I'm here for it though. Um, but yeah, maybe you maybe you dodged a bullet there because drama school was rough. Yeah, I mean, the way I figured it, I was I was on a set getting my SAG card when all my friends were at homecoming, you know? So it's like swings I and roundabouts. Bad school dance. I would have rather have started my career when I was 16 and I did. Yeah, and you've killed it. The list goes on and on of what you've done. Like, we're gonna get into it in a little bit, but like how is it like because you've been on like massive tv shows and things and um i mean in in my head it's i'm just like you know working working stiff just like anybody else my an actor's job is basically looking for work usually (laughs) yeah just go from audition to audition and try not to kill ourselves between all the no's the maybes (laughs) and then the occasional yes (laughs) Um, is it everything that you dreamed it would be um it's more i i didn't expect any success let alone the little bit that I've had, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's gone better for me than a lot of people I know. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like the crazy thing. Cause you're in drama school, especially like, and everybody's sort of built up, like all of my friends that I dropped out of, um, I'm still their friend. I worded that weirdly. Um, they're just finishing and they're like shit scared of what's happening next. At this point, I would just encourage them to write their own material and try to produce their own stuff because with streamers and the internet now, there's there's nothing to sneer at anymore. It used to be like, in my head, after Drag Race, I was like, oh, I gotta go on YouTube, I have to do all this. But in my head, I, when I started looking at it as I get to do this instead of I have to do this, it all became better. And I ended up getting you know parts because people saw me on the internet. So I'm cool, I'm happy. Yeah, that was the exact same with me, actually. I I wrote a play with my best friend over lockdown and we were like, we want to put this on, but we've got no money. The stereotypical, like, actor's life. So we'd done a rehearsed reading of it on YouTube and we got people from all over the country um, to play the parts. And it got us enough money to book a theatre. So April 2022, everyone get it in your diaries. So yeah, yeah, like, and some people are always like acting on YouTube. Not really acting, is it? And now I'm like, nah, like it's given me the foundations to do what I'm doing. So, and especially within all the pandemic and things now you've, you've sort of had to. I mean, necessity is the mother of all invention. 
I yep. don't know who said that first, but, <laughs> but it's true. So what I like to ask everyone, first of all, is how did you get into the industry and what was your first ever role? got into the industry uh, because I had an aunt and an uncle who moved out to Hollywood from the East Coast. My aunt went to, I think, Penn. She got her, her master's degree, maybe. She was an actor. I think she did some like New York stuff. And then she came out to LA, started directing. My uncle was still an actor and now he's an acting coach. But I remember seeing him on ALF when I was like, I don't know, probably under five. And I just remember saying like, my uncle's on TV and it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and then I saw my aunt's name in the credits of some stuff. She used to direct like Charles in Charge and like Major Dad, a bunch of sitcom stuff. And then she started doing other things and writing books about acting. And I, I read some of those and she won a couple of Emmys. So it was always having her and my uncle there showing like, you can follow your dreams and like, you might make it. Hey, they did. Yeah. So I, I was never, I never had that, that innate fear because I had it in my life and it was like, you know, close to me enough that I could see it as tangible. Like someone did it with my same last name. I could do it too. <laughs> and um, my first like speaking role on TV was, um, a TV show with Lynn Thigpen and Craig T. Nelson called The District, where I played like a hooker for two episodes. One of the Charlie's Angels was my attorney, but they told me not to talk to her. They're like, don't <laughs> talk to her. She's having a bad day. They wouldn't let her hair and makeup person on the set. And I was like, ugh, like he was non-union. It was the whole thing. I was like, I won't. Um, but I think that, what else did you ask? You asked something else. Um, what was your first role? Sorry, my phone went off. So professional. Um, yeah. What was your first role? Like That was my, that was my first role. Um, so yeah, like I said before, you've you've done sort of nearly everything. You, author, podcaster, makeup creator, you've toured the world, you've been in A Star Is Born, Nip Tuck, My Name Is Earl, American Pie, Drag Race, CSI, East, East Siders, I nearly said East Enders there, not quite that one. <laughs> um, Jersey Shorsegal, you were the first ever drag performer to be nominated for an Emmy in an acting category. What has been your biggest what the fuck moment? I think kind of right now I'm in a, I'm in a West End show and like, you know, that's kind of, in, in America, I think the equivalent of West End is Broadway. Yeah. And like, that was on my list of goals. I had like four B's I wanted to do in life. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to be on Broadway. I wanted to have a baby and I wanted to be on a billboard. I did the billboard. I did the book. I haven't done the other two yet, but like, honestly, if I never do, it's fine. But West End is kind of just like Broadway, if not I mean, better, because like London, London's cleaner than New York. We can add a, another B in British Broadway. You've done that one. Yeah, uh, there you go. Thank you. Double Bs. Yeah, so now yeah. that's where we're at now. Um, so talking about that, perfect segue actually, because yeah. that's what I want to talk to you about next. Death Drop, you're playing Shazza. Yeah. And this is like a massive light at the end of the tunnel for me because theatres are opening again in Britain because we have a leader who is a dickhead. I'm going to say it once and I'm going to not say it for the rest of the podcast. Fuck Boris. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that all the theatres are opening and everything. Um, how has it been coming over to London while we're sort of in the midst of this? Wait, are you not happy? Are you not happy that they're opening? Oh no, I love that we're opening. Is, is the but Boris has been a dick. Boris doesn't want him to open? He's basically just oh. done a lot of stupid things that have prolonged this. This could have happened months ago like we're like a, we're an island nation like new zealand or australia boris didn't close the borders like that sort of thing got it oh, so like no. fuck boris because this could have been you could have been open by now and been on the show and all that stuff um yeah we've just got a really shitty leader 
I'd like to thank him because if it weren't for his poor management skill, the show wouldn't have shut down in the first place. Courtney Act wouldn't have been unavailable and I wouldn't have gotten the part. So thank you, Boris, whoever the hell you are. Oh, well, that's the first time anyone's ever going to thank the prime minister for something. Well, everybody's got to be the queen of something, I guess. He's our version of Trump. He's just a big idiot. Oh, like, I'm sorry. Never mind then. I don't like him. Not quite as bad. Well, I don't know. He's an arsehole. We don't like him. Um, but we had votes today, not for the Prime Minister, but we're all out voting for the election. I hope everybody else did, because we're in a fucked up situation enough, so go out and vote. Um, but yeah, so how has it go been? Go see my show. Yes, go and see the show. It's been great. Honestly, like, working with... Um, when they asked me about doing the show, uh, I was just excited to get a job offer, so I hadn't even read the whole thing. <laughs> until a couple days ago and then i called courtney and i was like what's this blah 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 blah. she's like oh that's different now all the music changed it's new music it's um it, it gives me like the vibes of like clue but with drag queens and like music and it's it's all the best things you could want from all your favorite things drag queens theater the the I'm just impressed with the underscoring at rehearsal. They had like it running cue to cue with like music and like it feels like movie underscoring for the whole play. It's it's really impressive. And like when I walked into the theater, I like immediately had to like like pinch myself because I was like, wow, this is a big theater. It's a beautiful you know? theater as well. I love the gallery. It really is, and it's like next to a Tom Stoppard play. It's like legit in like London theater it's, I'm, I'm really excited to oh do you it. you've hit the big you've hit the big time in britain now you west end never looking back honey sometimes the big time hits back i got the priest <laughs> though i'm good She'll, she's got my back like working with like some i met her 10 years ago on drag race and like she was just always someone that like to me that was just like effortless and cool and i saw that rupaul loved her and rupaul like she kiki for me and she liked me and stuff too but like when she did the walk arounds to Latrice, you could see they were just like kicking it. And I was like, I want to be cool like Latrice. <laughs> and then like, there was an episode where I finally like got her approval, I would say that they showed it maybe, like where she like said I was sickening about something. And I was just like, oh cool, we're friends now. And we've been <laughs> friends ever since. And it's it's kind of an unlikely pairing, I guess, if you look at like who we are, but um, I have so much fun with her. And I'm lucky to get to work with like one of my best friends who's talented, you know? That episode where you went home on Drag Race was is one of my favorite episodes of all time because that connection was like, yeah, this is cool. Like it was the first time I, I think I want to say the word genuine. We'd seen like a genuine connection because yeah, you got I, some flack off of the other girls, and then um, Latrice was like, no, she knows what she's doing. I'm like, I, I fuck with this. One of the girls literally asked Latrice to throw the competition so she would be in the bottom so that Latrice could send me home because they knew she'd beat me in a lip sync. And for that, for me, I was just like, you could just get rid of me by being more talented or better or beating me. But <laughs> the fact that Latrice was like, no, I'm not doing that. That's like, that shows, showed me that she was like, cool. And she had my back even when I didn't know it. So she's good people. Um, but there's a part on that episode where you see, you see me like being really quiet because there was a point where I didn't know if they were sending me home and my schedule was going to be fucked because I had another show to do in New York like three days later and I was in LA. So I was like, they need to kick me off or I got to beat somebody in the face so that they kick me off because they have to legally. 
Like, a, yeah. you know how in the real world, someone hits them and then they go home. I was going to do that. You need to but properly break the rules. There's this point where, oh yeah, exactly. In front of everybody, in front of God and the world. Um, there was a point where the camera shows me and Latrice is like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And I'm like, baby, I'm fine. As soon as that red light goes on, I'll be, you know, and I did that and they showed it and they showed my thought process of just like turning it on and how like, you know, how show people do that. You know, your, your grandma dies, but you got a show to do. So you do it, you know, you, yeah. you keep the pumping queen as uh, Flotilla DeBarge says, who's another <laughs> amazing queen. I did extra work with her when I was 17 on Sex in the City, not to like, you know, be that girl, Sex in the City. But like, I met her there and like, she was one of the people that like inspired me because I would see her popping up on TV for years. And she beat a bitch in the head with her shoe because she talked slick to her and got pushy. And so she beat her, she went to jail, she got bailed out eventually. We, there were GoFundMes and everything. And she's sickening. We just did Wake Stock in 2019 together and just working with her again. And I hadn't seen her in 18 years. And she came up to me and she's like, Willem, blah, blah, blah. And like, we had just, you know, seen each other <laughs> the day before. And I was like, I can't believe you remember me. You're a legend. And I'm like, nobody, you know, I'm some bit player, but like, it was, it's nice to know that. Like, oh, I'd call you a legend. That ages me. So please don't. <laughs> okay. But, um, An ingenue. I appreciate the sentiment behind it. I'm dude. <laughs> um, I've said it time and time again, and I'm going to say it once more on the record with you. Had you not been disqualified, you would have won. No, can I t- that would not have happened. But I appreciate, I appreciate that you. Well, if it was like a fair me- competition, you would have won. No, also not. Can I tell you what would have happened and what I know would have happened? Go for it. Because I was fucking a producer, so he kind of told me. The after episode two, they told, and I've said all this before. Af- after that episode, um, the producer that I was fucking got a note from Pam Post, who was the head of the logo, and she said, Willem's going to be a fan favorite, make his edits softer and funnier, less bitchy. So they did it. And but during the final, if I came down to the final three, which I don't think it would have with me, it would have been probably Chad, Sharon, and me. I would have been the bitch. They would have made me the villain just like they made Courtney the villain because when there is no actual villain, they just take a pretty girl who's funny. And if you take a funny joke and edit out the laugh track, it could very easily be bitchy. It all depends on the underscoring. So that's what would have happened. I would have been maybe third, but it also could have been maybe like Chad, Latrice, me. But I think from day one, it was always Sharon. But also there's this thing sort of being the queen who was robbed. I don't like to use that word, but no better wording for it. Being the queen who was robbed sometimes worked out better than winning. I mean, at this point, um, I can't hypothesize what could have happened or would have happened, but I do know that they've kind of made me like the David to their Goliath at this point. And People always enjoy an underdog. I mean, Sharon was an underdog and they loved her. They let her win. So like, I feel like they kind of put me in my own little underdog category and I'm okay with that because who doesn't like dogs? <laughs> um, Man's a friend. So going back to Death Drop, um, I'm really hoping that our current government guidelines are stay local. Obviously I'm in Glasgow, so I can't come to London at the moment, but I'm really hoping that that changed because I'm actually dying to see the show. And I have been since it was first announced. And also, that promo picture, next level. Wait, the promo picture's already out? I think it's on your Instagram. 
you and Latrice on the poster. Oh, that one. We just took fo- new photos, um, I think, two days ago. And I was like, oh, that's a quick <laughs> turnaround. Around. I just proved them this morning or last night. So I was like, damn. Um, yeah, that picture is great. Uh, uh, Ashton Michael did my outfit. This amazing designer who does a lot of stuff for like Nicki Minaj and like amazing stuff. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, it's a lot of great people helped me look beautiful. The photographer, Sean Videla, like there's so many more people behind it. Latrice always says like, she looks at girls Instagram and it says hair by this, nails by this, outfit by this. And then she's like, bitch, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. But I did I- my makeup. Um, I also styled it. Um, I put like cute little things in the hair and like, it's me in the picture. So I feel like I did do something. Yeah. It's my um, mom podcast promo photo for when we op- started doing mom, Alaska and I, when we started giving out podcasts to other drag queens. <laughs> um, so it's nice to see like two birds, one stone. I used it for that, used it for this. Yeah. I started listening to the new season of Rich Chaser last night. I was doing my, my research and I was like, oh, this- yeah. Season six is one of like my favorite seasons anyway. So I was like, here we go. People say season four is great, but they also say four, six, and eight are their favorites. And I have to to agree that all of those are great, but season six is really, really good. Season six might be better than season four, but season four is obviously my favorite. Yeah. My favorite seasons uh, right off the bat, season one, because who isn't in love with Chanel? Like, (laughs) I'm... I am beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She's amazing. Uh, Honestly, just like the unmitigated ego because she knows she's good and she is. And like, I love that she wasn't fake. And she she ended up parlaying that appearance on Drag Race into three seasons worth of work on Drag U where, she, where they exploited her talents for not enough money. And um, also- Celebrity Drag her. Race when she was yeah, behind that, the stage, but she painted people's faces. Yeah, like all those things like there's so she's she's made she's done wonderfully it's really nice and angina like, yeah sickening. yeah so season one season four season six and i'm not just saying that because you're on on it i i season four was the first season i watched um so that'll always be like just in there that sort of thing um but actually i wanted to ask you for permission for something i have had this now for six years and i have uh, never I've never lit it. Can I burn it now? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know why I've kept it, but I've had it for like six years. I got it at DXP, the first ever one. Um, yeah, I was I was like the first Rue girl kind of over here, I think. Like yeah. after Dragon started. Paul Paul McAvoy brought me over with Holy Tea. And then a year later, DWB came over, I feel like. And it just I feel like I've been to England like 30 times or so. I got oh, easily. On my passport one time like two years ago and it was up in the high 20s so i was like by now it's got to be you know yeah and i already have two more trips planned i'm back at the end of july again and then i'm back in and then i'm back again oh i'm back again in 2022 at least once but i'm not allowed to talk about that yet right so no no exclusives but also just for the i realized it's an audio podcast and i just held up a candle and said can i burn it without saying it was a candle oh yeah. yeah For context. Candle, I'll describe it to everybody. It's a candle with my, like, Our Lady of uh, Glamorosa, uh, Es Una Pasiva. Like, she was trying to be Guadalupe Virgin, but also Hooker. And it's also stealing the Red Bull logo, but with dicks instead of wings and the Red Bull font. <laughs> and it's like a beautiful powder blue. And once you're done burning the candle inside, you can just shove another candle down there and still get that beautiful radiant light effect. 
true. Shining I've never thought about that. Emanating from my pussy. <laughs> um, so, um, sorry, I just lost my place there. So, um, the one thing that I like to always ask actors in a show is, can you describe your character and the show in one word? So, one word for each one. My character, um, one word's hard. Uh, and the show in one word would be uh, must-see, which is a hyphenated word, but still counts. <laughs> um, my character could be described as rash. She makes very quick decisions, and I don't think many of them are all the much thought out, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then what else I like to ask people, but you're already currently on the West End, so it's a bit of a, a rubbish question to ask. But if you were booked on the West End again... And you were doing a two-person show and with no financial restraints could pick anyone in the world to be your co-star. Who would it be? Oh, wow. Um, someone with really good box office appeal because I'm not famous enough. Um, maybe, oh, duh, Beyonce. Yeah, there we go. Easy one. Um, I would ask Gaga, but when I was on A Star Is Born, at one of our breaks, I was like, when are you going to do Broadway, girl? And she's like, you know doing the same thing eight times a week I don't know and like it made sense because how her how she's so creative I couldn't imagine being like creating something and then having to do it over and over while you still have more creative things in your head that you also want to do so like I'd say Beyonce but only because Gaga's not available I know you spoke about working with Gaga loads and loads and how she was everything I, I have to at least once a day it's yeah cool. Um, how like because I imagine that was pretty pretty amazing like how was that it was the best professional experience in my life and um you people are lucky for one day of their life like that I got two you know yeah and then just seeing the movie like I left the set and I was like I did a good job I knew I was funny everybody was rolling laughing on the floor like they loved everything I did every word that came out of my mouth was my word it was all my idea I felt very proud of what I did on the set that I got to do it with a friend like Shangela was very nice too. Um, it felt like we won the mini challenge and the main challenge that day, you know, <laughs> because after the first day they wrote another, they wrote the second scene for us the next day. And that just, it felt like such a gift. And I walked out of there knowing like, you know, I won't know what happens for probably a year or two. Cause that's how movies are. We filmed in May, 2017. Yeah. And- because I remember I was in LA um, in April 2017 and I was with my friend and she was like there's this concert thing that's free but you can't take your phones in yeah on a go and I was like well who is it and she was like I don't know it just says movie and I was like no oh you missed I was like let's go to the Hollywood sign huh. um the yeah I I it was I didn't know what would end up happening I figured they would keep a joke or two in but like my uh my aunt saw it like after the weekend it came out and she called me and she's like seven and I was like what are you talking about I'm Mary Lou and she's like you got seven laughs in the theater I was in she's like I counted two of them were chuckles and five of them were belly laughs and I was like she and to have like her be proud of me like she she uh she's a pretty awesome director I, I've worked with her on set a couple times but when I moved to LA I started doing extra work and um, I signed up with Central Casting like any extra does. And I hadn't told her that I moved there yet. She knew I was going to, but like I was going to move there January, 2002, but I moved there September 14th, 2001, because 
September 11th happened and I was like, I'm getting the fuck off the East Coast in New York. There was no work. I was like, let me just go to LA. I'd rather be poor and warm than poor and cold. So I moved there, started doing extra work and she was going through pictures on set when she was directing a show called The Hughleys and her AD was going through them and showing them to her. And she was like, wait, that's my nephew. <laughs> and so A, I got the job on the set, but because it was like some extra work where she needed like mall kids, like trendy teens for a mall. And I was 19 at that point. So I got the job, but she was also like, why didn't you call me? And I was like, I don't want to be that girl. I don't want to be like trying to get jobs through whoever. So like, it was nice that she could be proud of me for like making it kind of like on my own a little bit. But yeah. um, also she went into a room, like a prep thing, like pitching for a show where directors go in and, uh, she did she had she ended up doing the show but the last thing that was said before she left the room was they're like and we have to ask you are you related to willem belli and she's like he's my nephew and he's fabulous why and they're like we were fans and i guess they watched drag race or something and when she called to tell me that i was just like god <laughs> like it, it was it was a full circle moment like and it's nice to have a family member in hollywood who knows like how tough it is and who's not just like like my aunts on the other side some of them like you know you should do more movies and i was like great idea aunt donna why don't i just go tell steven soderbergh that coming right up to theaters <laughs> this fall great idea why didn't i think of that i'll do more movies sure it's not easy like, shit like that <laughs> like when are you going to be on tv again and i'm like i'm doing my best <laughs> Um, so we're coming to the end now and I always like to play a little game with all of my guests and it's called Stage Right or Stage Shite and it's all stories submitted by the listeners of the podcast uh, two of them are true, the whole truth and nothing but the truth and then one is absolute stage bullshit which was made up by our producer Heather so it's our job, I don't know which one's which it's in a little Heather. one of the best people I know but fuck her <laughs> Yeah, it's all in a sealed envelope, so I don't know either. Um, all, all very mysterious, so we can play along together. Love that. Number one, my hey. first manager was an absolute nightmare. I went for an audition, and I read through the sides, and I thought it went really well. And then the casting lady said, okay, we'll see the clarinet piece now. I do not play the clarinet. I never have, and I was so embarrassed I fired <laughs> that manager. Number two, I was having promo shots taken for a play that I was in and I had to wear a tight corset and as the photographer was snapping away, I moved a little bit too quickly and my boob popped out. The action shots of me trying to pack it away were hilarious. Number three, I was doing a play at the Edinburgh Fringe and I had to give a blowjob in the play and the director decided that we were going to use double cream for the, let's say, finale and it was to go all over my face. We'd done it for the first time in rehearsals, and that's how I discovered I was allergic to double cream. Um, okay, I'm gonna say the first one's wrong because I know how hard it is to get a manager and making a simple mistake like that. I went in for a show and I had dreadlocks at the time. They literally wanted somebody with dreadlocks and I didn't use a Southern accent. And they said, I would have gotten it if I did the accent. And I was like, why didn't they tell me in the room? And my agent said, well, it said it on the sides I sent you. And I was like, fuck. It was like on the breakdown real small. So I'm saying that one's false, the first one. Right. So that's stage shite. I, I think I, I want to go for, I, I, I don't know, maybe the double, the double cream. cream? One, 
That sounds I, like it very well could be made up though too. So I read that though and I looked it up because I was like, how have you only just found out you're allergic to double cream? Because surely wouldn't that be all dairy? But I yeah. looked it up. You can actually only be allergic to cream because of the sweetener and the way that it's made. Okay. So I, I looked right. at that and I was like, bullshit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna probably go for the same one. Yeah, the manager being a nightmare. Like if you got a, and that's only one mistake, like firing yeah. the guy, I don't know, or the girl, or the whoever. I mean, we never get enough context with some of these. There's some of these that I'm like, I really want to know more. Um, oh, we were wrong. Yeah. It was the promo <laughs> shot with the boob. Uh, you know what? I thought that one too, maybe because like if a girl's tit popped out and it was a photographer, they'd probably wait to yeah. stop until her tit was wet because like with the Me Too era and all that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Um, but the last question that I saw, last two questions I want to ask you is, have you ever borrowed or been gifted anything from set? And what's the coolest thing that you've got from like a job? Oh, yeah, I steal all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the coolest thing that I've gotten? When I did Nip Tuck, um, Jolie, Fish, Jolie uh, Richardson gave me a Nip Tuck cast jacket which was really cool. Um, I also have like a little compact that says, uh, tell me what you don't like about yourself that Erin Kruger gave me. She's the head of makeup um, for most of Ryan's shows, Ryan Murphy's shows. And now she's a producer on uh, Pose too. And Hollywood, I think. She's wonderful. She got me hooked on La Mer, which is like the most expensive moisturizer in the world. <laughs> what else have I stolen? I know I've stolen more stuff. Um, Not the Iron Fist shoes. No, they got them right out of my bag. I have... <laughs> I have a white rose that Lady Gaga gave me on my first day on set. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it's like dried out on a bookshelf on top of some books. I can't even see it, but I'm like, I, I know it's there. Um, what else have I stolen? Um, I didn't have to steal a lot because a lot of times they'd like, let me keep my hair or my outfits. Um, bit yeah, like I Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde. She got it wrote into her contract that she got all of the clothes and shoes. Smart girl. Yeah. I think she ended up with like 70 pairs of Jimmy Choo's. <laughs> smart, smart girl. I love her. She's a big inspiration for me. You ever see Freeway? I haven't. Oh my God. It's like Little Red Riding Hood on crack. And I can say that because I've smoked crack twice. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll add it to the list. It's the best Reese Witherspoon movie I've ever seen. It's so fucking good. Kiefer Sutherland's in it. Brooke Shields is in it. There, my favorite line is where she's like hooking on the side of the road in Mexico and she's like, sexo, sexo. Cause she plays like this dirty, dirty, like Southern girl. And she's like, you tried to do sex in my dead body, didn't you? <laughs> it's so good, so, so good. Watch Freeway. If anyone's listening to this podcast, look up Freeway and watch it. It is a tour de force. I, I'm adding it to the list. The next question I want to ask you is because I'm a massive fan of this girl and so are you. How upset? Question, but go ahead. One more. Um, how upset are you that Vanity isn't on Drag Race Down Under? Um, I'm not so upset. Do I look upset? Do I look <laughs> upset to you? Shikule. Um, I'm not upset. I I feel like the first season of every show, Drag Race wise, is not as good as the second season. True. Of that same Drag Race show. First season of Drag Race UK, it was good. But once we saw that second season, honey. <laughs> the first season of Drag Race America, good. The second season, bitch. You know, I just like, want everyone to love her. 
everybody does love her and it, it, it only endears her more to the public for the fact that she's not there because everybody's like, what the fuck? Why the isn't she there? Yeah, and Courtney. The fact that she didn't let Courtney host just because she doesn't like her and she couldn't look past her own ego. Like, Courtney would have yeah. been great for the brand. Courtney yeah, is everyone's saying Worldwide, Courtney is a great representation for drag, but for Australia, for them not to even, like, have her mentioned. Trying to remove they, her at the premiere. They weren't allowed to mention and then they say, we're, we're, we're down here to find Drag Under's first drag superstar. And it's like, are you kidding? Did you say that out loud and nobody thought to fact check you that there's been many Australian drag superstars before whoever you're about to crown with your bullshit tiara? I mean, let's think Dame Edna. Um, Courtney. Jemay, isn't Jamay, isn't, isn't she Australian? Yeah, Chris Lilly's Australian. Okay, so him, he's definitely a drag superstar. Um, I would definitely say um, Vanity, Courtney. Yeah. There, there's drag superstars. Thousands. It's like this. It's the same case everywhere. You've got like your Coco Perus, Valerie Mermans. There's always superstars that aren't going to fit the mold of reality TV, that sort of shit. You never know. <laughs> I mean, true. Um, so we come to the end now. Um, I'm not going to bother you with any more questions. Um, other than this one, where can we find you all on social media? You can find me at Willem, W-I-L-L-A-M, on Twitter, Instagram, OnlyFans, uh, Facebook, uh, anywhere else I could sell my pussy. I don't know. <laughs> Barnes and Noble, um, all, all that jazz. Um, I mean, I got a book there. I got a book in, I'm sure, Waterstones and wherever else they sell them over here called uh, Suck Less, where there's a will and there's a way. Great. And like oh, you read it? I've, did I read it? Silly question. Of course I did. Um, it's in my bookcase. Um, yeah, no, that, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I forgot my fucking place again. So professional. Um, but okay, th- Take a moment, gather yourself. I'll take a bite of this food. Go See for it. it. I mean, we're only at the outro. <laughs> I've only got to say goodbye. Um, oh, okay. um, but thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, I've been a massive fan and we've met a few times, but I'm not that fanboy. That's like, do you remember me from six years ago when 500 people met you and um, I'm important? But yeah, um, I've always Whenever had fun at your shows. If they were, if, if that kind of question, I'm just like, yeah, oh my God, you were that guy who wore a shirt, right? <laughs> and you had pants on, right? Or shoes? You had shoes on, yeah. Like, I just try to, like, make them laugh and then, then make them realize, like, baby, no. And if it was before 2014, I used to drink a lot. I don't remember a lot. I haven't done well, that. Well, the first time I met you was in 2015, so maybe you do remember me. Maybe, yeah. My um, favorite meet and greet of yours, though, was when you were sat on a bin in Manchester. Oh yeah, that's because they tried to make me stand up in the middle of like terrible lighting. And I'm like, A, I'm not standing for an hour and a half. That was when my back was still hurt and I was waiting to get back surgery. I was waiting for my insurance to approve it. And like, I was in a lot of pain and I looked great on that trash can. So fuck everybody. Oh, I thought it was brilliant. Thanks. Um, but um, thank you so much for coming on. I will let you get back to normal life. And I really hope that government guidelines and all that change so I can come and see Death Drop because I've always had fun at Willem Shaw's. Boy is a Bottom has been my bop for life. But thank you so much for coming on and taking time out of your schedule because I, I can only imagine being in the West End isn't a very loose schedule. We had a 13-hour day. Oh, day fun. Today. But um, I believe in the power of yes. And when someone asks me a question and if I can do it and be helpful... I believe in saying yes because people have done that for me and it's been helpful for me. So yeah, I've always said the same. Anybody asks me to do that, <laughs> anybody asks me to do anything and I do it. Like I edit friends stuff and all that. Okay. My pool guy is on the phone. 
<laughs> yes. I have a problem with my cooling pumps. So now I really have to go. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Bye, Ingram. Bye. And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout completed. Thank you so much to Willem for taking time out of his busy schedule. I can't fathom it. He's on the West End and he's talking to me. It's really cool. Good luck to everyone as well that is back in the theatre and is back in the West End and is performing around the country and around the world. I'm so happy that we're finally back doing what we love and genuinely if you can if it's safe if you feel comfortable doing so please support your local theatres because these actors and performers are desperate to entertain everyone all again i'm getting flustered even just saying it but thank you so much guys for listening as per usual it means the absolute world there's some really cool guests coming up and if you are feeling generous please make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get all of the new episodes right in your notification box as soon as they come out and if you're feeling extra generous stop scroll up and leave us a little rating and a review it genuinely really helps the podcast and it fuels my fantasy of being massively famous and if you've got any stories for stage right or stage shite please email us using the email address dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com and who knows your story may be featured on the podcast thank you so much again to willem it's been such an amazing episode it was so great to chat to willem uh, thank you to you guys for listening in at home and i'll be back same time same place next week tuesday 7 a.m and i have my first ever returning guest she's back 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 again i'll be chatting again to my co-writer my co-director and producer of this podcast heather spiden roll the theme tune drama school drop no graduation day for you drama school drop out your whole course now try something new drama school drop Oh,